Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. So we are ending this mini-series before we transition to the new semester, and we are going to talk about rest, but we're going to talk about a scenario and a parable in Matthew chapter 13, and we're going to extract a point from there because not all rest is good. Sometimes we can be asleep. Sometimes we become so weary that we don't get rest from God that we fall asleep in the process of what God's called us to do. This is a very similar parable that explains this. So in our assignment today and what we're doing today, we're going to convey this message. And we're going to begin by reading verse 24. Verse 24 in the New Living Translation, we're reading it out there for better explanation. It says, here's another story Jesus told. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. But that night, as the workers slept, the workers slept, his enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat, then slipped away. Recognize it was the workers who slept. I didn't see this the first service, but it was the workers who slept. The workers represent those that are in the earth to fulfill the will of God, the laborers. They slept. They were weary. They were tired from laboring, but they slept. And so the scripture says that when the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew, those seeds. The farmer's workers went to him and said, Sir, The field where you planted that good seed is full of weeds. Where did they come from? Verse 28, an enemy has done this, the farmer exclaimed. Should we pull out of the weeds? Should we pull out the weeds? They asked, no. He replied, no. You'll uproot the wheat if you do. Let both grow together until the harvest. Then I will tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds, tie them into bundles, and burn them, and then put the wheat in the barn. Now this is, this is one parable out of three in this chapter where Jesus refers to the seed and the harvest and what happens to seed. The first one he talks about the condition of the heart, different ground. And how some seed produced 30, 60, and 100 fold, and others were choked out, and some fell on stony ground. You know the parable. This one is dealing strictly with the harvest, the harvest representing people. And he said, within the harvest, there were two types of seed that were sown some that were sown by God. With, by God's workers and laborers and others that was sown from the enemy because the enemy has laborers and workers too. Recognize that. That is the world we are living in right now. The world is filled with a conglomeration of people who think they believe the same thing but don't. There is a difference between God's harvest and the rest of the world who simply believes in being kind, doing good, void of Jesus. What makes you and I different here today is that Jesus is our King, our Lord, our Savior, and we believe he died on a cross and was resurrected again and poured his spirit out on us. And we believe he lives inside of us, that he's not dead. He's not in the grave. He's not in the sepulcher. But he came out again. But he lives in us. And through him we live, we move, we have our being. We are worshipers of Jesus. And because we have Jesus, he wants to grow in us and mature in us. Another word in the scripture for maturity is perfection. Perfection. Perfection means maturity. What happens when we rest? We get refreshed when we rest in his will and his purpose. But we can be asleep spiritually 
where the enemy sows into our life. And in the world's condition right now, there are some that are maturing and growing, that are very bold about their values and their beliefs, while the church hasn't matured yet and is afraid to offend somebody. And could it be that God is waiting for us to mature so he can begin to save those, to rescue those? Could it be that God is waiting to mature us so we can see our children come, our families come, our friends come, our coworkers come? They need proof. And the identity that you have in Christ is the defining factor. So you have to know, are you part of the harvest? Have you been planted by God? And if you're planted, are you growing? Because God needs you. We're going to be talking about moving on to perfection. Moving on to perfection. Turn to somebody and tell them, God's calling us to maturity. God's calling us to maturity. One more time, somebody say, God bless this message and this moment. If you're ready for it, give the Lord a hand clap and tell them ahead of time. Thank you. Thank you for the word. Thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, you can be seated. God bless you. Thank you for being here, and thank you for worshiping. And also to all of our veterans, if you're a veteran, could you please stand for just a moment? If you've served this country, God bless every single one of them. Let's give them a round of applause and honor them. We honor you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There are professionals and there are institutions, universities, and there are a group of people in our culture that are actually setting the tone. There are people who have matured in their calling and their place and their giftings that have begun to influence the world. Anyone who is an influencer has earned a position and a place in this world to be seen. And they've earned the right and their own right for people to listen. Jesus earned the right for his voice to be heard in his day. Despise the government, despise the religion. Despite the, the mindset of an old covenant, Jesus moved and lived in his world, and he had influence. And people came from all around to hear him. What drew people to Jesus was his spiritual maturity. It took Jesus 30 years to prepare his life to become mature to the place where God himself, our God in Christ, where the Father was going to begin his ministry. The 30-year mark isn't for everybody, but for some people. Some go through a different process. Some are called to different responsibilities. But to what Jesus was called for required 30 years of his life. Because he would only have three years after that to make a difference. And he really was preparing for three days. 33 years of preparation for three days of agony. A descending down into the corridors of hell to destroy the Senate chambers of the devil and its government and its structure to overcome death, hell, and the grave, and to ascend back up and to walk in this world for 40 days and 40 nights and then ascend on high and then release his spirit. He accomplished something great. He accomplished something so grand because of his influence, it still exists today. So I want you to think about this. One man, 33 years of age, is still changing the world today over 2,000 years later. 
all because of one thing. He matured. The process of his maturity was found even at the age of 12. He was confounding the lawyers, the teachers, the scribes, the pharisees. He was confounding those in the temple. They were amazed at his knowledge. He didn't waste any time. He studied. He prayed. He sought the will of God. He knew his purpose was to fulfill the will of God. He knew what his purpose was. And when Jesus walked in this world, he walked in such a level of authority and he had walked at such a level and such a level of, of influence that there wasn't a circumstance he could face that couldn't be changed. You can bring him anyone with any disease and they would be healed. Many times in the scriptures, they write it and have wrote it before, written where they were all healed. Everyone who came to Jesus. Not everybody had their hearts changed, but that was up to them, not to God. The rich young ruler had a choice. He walked away from Jesus because of his many possessions. But for those who didn't allow things or circumstances to possess their hearts and surrender to the will of God, he touched them. This is the same thing we are facing here in our day and hour that we're living in. But it's the culture and the atmosphere, sometimes things, that have hindered people, even the church, from fully maturing. It's easy, if you look at the scripture, to understand the difference between the tear and the wheat, or the weeds and the wheat. The tares had a significant difference in appearance when they matured. But while they were growing, you couldn't tell the difference. You couldn't tell. And the harvest, when Jesus talks about this harvest, he was talking about a model, a principle that would apply concerning the believer and the non-believer. That there is no difference until maturity. Because there's a mindset that we really have in our culture right now that, that uh, we are all the same. And I'm not, not going to try to dry, uh, drive and put religious barriers in the way in, in our hearts today. What I, what I want to simply present to you is that we're living in a day and age where if we don't mature as moms and dads, our big brothers and big sisters, or even the youth and the, and the young adults. Somebody else who's mature in their own theology or philosophy is going to come and shape your life or shape your children's life. It's happening right now. There are professors, there are teachers, and I honor every teacher. I have respect for every teacher. But there are some that do not believe in Jesus. And I'm speaking to this church. This message is for Riverside Church. Because we know that people that are here love Jesus with all their heart, believe that he came, was born of a virgin, gave his life on the cross, suffered, died, and was buried, and rose again. We believe this, and you have put your heart in the hands of God. And you come to church not out of routine, but you come here with the anticipation of experiencing Jesus, feeling the presence of God, and receiving a word from God that you can apply in your life to grow. You do all of this, and this is what I, I just assume, that we do all of this. You're not here in vain. You're here because you want to be an example to your children and to your family, and you want your family to be secure in their salvation because we want to live eternally together forever. If I missed it, just tell me I missed it because I think we're, we're here for more than just going to heaven as well. We are here because we love Jesus. But there are other people out there that mean well, 
that live off the value of just simply being kind. And I believe we need to be respectful to everyone and every human being needs to be respected. But there are so many schools of thinking now that are in adults and are in some children being brought up that aren't Bible-based. And if you believe differently, you become an outcast. And you become pressured. Or you become isolated. Our children right now are known for what they believe and what, and what they stand for. And they are put in a position of being accepted or not accepted based on their fundamental values. The pressure of the culture is affecting our families. And what it has done, it has stunt, stunted our growth. Is that a word, stunted? You know, sometimes you just don't know how to spell cat and dog sometimes. Our growth, I believe, in the church has stopped based on what people think. And before you judge anything, let me just simply finish this. Because we're afraid. Afraid of offending somebody. Now, hold on, hold on a second. Don't, we're going someplace. You can love God and believe in Jesus and not be mean, ugly, and arrogant. And in fact, in fact, you can be spirit. In fact, if you're a believer and you don't love people, then you're not mature. Spiritual maturity has nothing to do with being religious and judgmental and arrogant. Spiritual maturity has everything to be and do with humility. In fact, if you don't bear the, that kind of fruit, the fruit of the Spirit is a sign of your maturity. But through the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts and the power and the authority of God is exemplified and proven. And this is the difference. But the arrogant and the proud stand up straight and tall. To be known and to be seen, and everybody wants to be an influencer, and how they do it now is by standing up for what's wrong, thinking it's right, and taking a place while the church is just... And you put it on. Oh, man. Okay, Lord. And we justify our faith by making a social media post and think, I did something wild. Oh, I just made a big change in my world. And you've only got five likes. but we think that that's the stance or that's a sign of maturity. Don't, is it just me? I hate it when somebody tags me and says, if you love Jesus, share this. If not, I mean, you ever, that, please don't tag me ever if I'm a friend of yours because you won't be a friend much longer after that. I don't play those games. I'm just telling you right now, that's not the sign to me because the same people that are doing that, the same That is not proof you are a mature Christian. It's not. I'm going to go a step further. Coming to church is not proof you are a mature Christian. Coming to church is no different than a student going into class. What the maturity and the growth of that student is determined by, how much they observe and how much they will do what's in that book they're learning from. And they apply it. 
And until they get a job, listen to me now, until they get a job and begin to get on the job training, they'll never grow into their purpose. So there's a process that needs to, they need to go through in order to mature. So even in the church, getting knowledge, coming into church service is just the beginning that helps a lot and is part of it. But it's not until we go out there in the world and get some training by some real exercising and exercising our faith and determined who we are based on our identity. Am I going too fast? Based on our identity of knowing who we are is where you begin to grow because your faith can't grow unless it works. But how can you work if you're sleeping? How can your faith work while the culture is setting the tone? How can we work and get effective in seeing our children grow if we don't teach our children how to respond to conflict instead of just keeping your mouth shut and just walking away from everything. But what about teaching them how to be leaders and influencers and giving God credit in their world and recognizing who they are? I never forget when I worked on the job, I was in the, in, in the field for, for, gosh, almost, almost over 20 years, longer than that, but I worked in my industry, in my field as an INE technician, and I'll never forget the, the, the moment came where, where, where I had to be around my coworkers all together, and, and there was an opportunity for me to either shy away from uh, being a part of them, or, or I had to be there and let the, and them knowing who I am. You understand what I'm saying? And, and the moment came where all the guys in my department, I worked out at the generation plant. I was, I was there, one of the technicians, and all the guys one day said, man, let's all go to lunch together. You know that moment? All, everybody, let's all go to lunch together. And they said, come on, Bobby, you come with us. Right? Like, I never got invited. Like, I'm excited. I didn't go because everybody was talking dirty all the time. I was, like, trying to keep clean, right? I'm the only one that does that. I was just trying to, I didn't want to hear all of it, right? So I, I'm there, and I'm thinking, oh, man, I don't know how this is going to go. This, I've never been out with the guys before. I was just young in the, in the company, but they invited me to go, but they knew what I believed. And I was never religious, and I was never trying to, I never tried to portray myself as being better. Very kind to everyone. I was very, very, got along with everybody, but, but, but they know I didn't laugh, I didn't do this, and I didn't do that. But the time came where I was going to be with everyone, and it was going to happen. Something was going to take place. I was either going to be by myself, I was either going to be left alone, I was either no one's going to talk to me, or it didn't matter, I was just there. Has anybody ever been there before? And I'm sitting there, and while I am sitting there, the most foul-mouthed, co-worker before we're eating the waitress comes and brings our food and we're in this restaurant and the most foul-mouthed individual stops and says gentlemen hold on and he pointed at me and said Bobby say grace now I could have in that moment began to recall every scripture in my mind to try to preach a sermon in my prayer. Like, you know, people who don't pray a lot, they pray a lot and long during lunch. Even, <laughs> you're right. I'm like, pray on your own time. I pray all the time. Just thank God he hears you. It's the same thing. And don't ask him to bless that when it has all those carbs in it, right? And sugar and salt and all that stuff. And that doesn't make any sense. Thank God he allowed you to eat it. Bless it. Whatever else, and move on. Some people, like, they just play catch-up time during dinner time, right? You're quiet because that's probably you, right? <laughs> All I'm telling you is in that moment, I had an opportunity. An immature Christian would have tried to quote Scripture and try to say this and preach a sermon in these underlying tones. Lord Jesus, I pray and I thank you according to John 3 and 16, God, that you so love the world, even these sinners right here, Lord. And I thank you, dear God, that I'm not like them. And I thank you, dear God, that you saved me. And I thank you for the blood. And I thank you, know, we could have went down that path. 
But this was more like, Lord Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for my coworkers. Bless this food in Jesus' name. Amen. Because that wasn't going to be the proof I was a Christian. The proof of my Christianity was going to be based on how I treated them on the job. The proof of my maturity was going to be based on when I prayed for them at home, when I prayed for them in secret, and I got with them in public, how God would open up a door, and God would use me to say something into their life that no one knew anything about but God. And a moment would be presented. The moment of maturity would have been when God opened up a door and they come to you and say, can you pray for me? Because those things begin to transpire and begin to happen the more we mature and the more we love and the more we show. But you cannot be ashamed of what you believe, but you have to walk out and live what you believe. You cannot be who you are and hide it. Case in point, I'll use my wife again because she's so easy to use. So far, so far, my wife has won two of her bosses to Jesus or this church and more people. Uh, if, 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 if my wife won you because of a job you worked with her, would you raise your hand real quick? You knew my wife? You said her before one there. Have you met my wife someplace? Okay. Well, here's the deal with that. One in the back, another one in the back. There are more in the first service. Everywhere you go, people know who you are. A, a year ago, I joined a place called Citizens Healthplex. And I think since that time, I think we've won five families from Citizens Healthplex. Is that right, son? Is that right? About five families. Because everywhere you go, people know what you believe. Why hide it? And most people don't know how to win people because they have never learned how to love people. And we're sleeping right now while the enemy, you see, in that parable, the farmer, the harvest, had laborers. What did Jesus say? Pray. The harvest is white and ready. Pray for that he would send laborers. And also the enemy had laborers too. And while you and I are hesitant to labor, the enemy is laboring and sowing and developing and influencing. And we're sitting back, letting it happen and allowing. This is not everybody, but we are allowing other people of influence that have been indoctrinated with different belief systems to raise our children, our families, influence our marriages, influence our homes, influence our hearts, our lives, on the job and what we do. But can I tell you and encourage you, there is somebody who abides inside of you that has all authority, that has all power, that has the influence. There are rivers of living water that come out of your life. There are things that God wants to do with you where you're at in your place of business or career or your place of employment or wherever you're at. God wants to use you, but there cannot be anyone who is going to be used by God if you don't know who you are in your identity. Let me show you the difference why the farmer said, don't pull the tares out now. Wait till they mature. Because this first picture in this slide right here is what they look like at about 12 weeks. This is the bearded Darnell is what it's called. That is the tear that was commonly known in Galilee during the time of Christ. And the wheat is on the right. And when you look at these two, you can't really tell the difference like, this is very close, so you can tell by, like, microscopically looking at them. But, but from, from just a short distance, you can't tell. Even up close, you may get confused. But there is absolutely no difference. This is where most of what our children are going through right now, I would call this very similar to elementary and middle school. 
very young. It's not until the, our kids, have you ever been through this stage with your child, or do you remember this stage? How many of you were kids, I don't know why I'm talking about this, but I'm speaking to somebody and speaking to parents apparently. How many of you have remembered when you were in elementary, you were friends with everybody? How many of you have good friends? And then middle school, good friends, right? But then high school, everyone started maturing. Everyone became part of this group. They were part of that group. The friends that used to talk to you are too cool to talk to you now. Is that, was that only me? Does anybody relate? That's because they matured and got older and they think they found their identity and they won't associate, but you have to become like them if you want to be accepted. This is what your children are facing now. This is why you have to raise up leaders and influencers. This is why you have to have the presence of God in your home. And this is why you have to mature if you're going to produce after your own kind. And not allow anyone to try to mix them up and not know who they are. We must know who we are in this time that we're in right now. And there's going to be fruit that will follow. But when the harvester said, wait till they mature so you can tell the difference, here is the difference. Now you can tell the difference. But if I were to get a better view of this, the tares actually stand up straight. And the mature wheat actually bows down more. Do you see it's kind of slanted? But it actually, in most pictures, it's like this because of the fruit. God's people have a humility about them because of the fruit that they bear. You see, people who are blessed and think it's them stand straight up. People who know that God has blessed them are humble. People who have and know God established them and they were planted by God have love where they are very kind, accepting, not judgmental. You want to win your family? Start loving them. Stop being judgmental. Start inviting them as if you have the best thing in the world, and that best thing is Jesus. That best thing is the presence of God. But unless you grow and mature in it, you have nothing to offer. Nothing to offer. But by the lowliness and the meekness of heart, we make a difference in the world and mature. And here are the signs that follow them that believe in his name. They'll cast out demons as well. They'll speak in new tongues. They'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I'll tell you where God is trying to mature Riverside Church and the families that belong to it. We are entering into a new season of growth and maturity where we are going to make room for the presence of God and we are going to bear fruit and we are going to see God begin to operate in our lives like he did Jesus Christ because that is the ultimate goal. And Jesus was effective in his day, not because he was just loving, but because he was effective. It's because when there was a need, there was something in him that could meet the need. What good, let me ask you a question, should a church be where people just come to get motivated? Because you can find that on YouTube all day long. I mean, you want to get motivated for weight loss, you can go on YouTube. You want to get motivated to be positive, you can go on YouTube. You want to get motivated to try to get optimistic, you can go on YouTube. You can find all that stuff out in the world. But your motivation should lie in your values and based on who you love and who you are and who loves you. Every day we should wake up with the anticipation that this is the day the Lord has made. And I'm going to rejoice and be glad in this day. God's people should be motivated by the love he has for them, by what he's done for them, how he's forgiven you. Do you remember where God brought you from? How many of you know you shouldn't be here, but you're here right now? You should probably be in in jail you should probably be six feet under you should probably be in the hospital but look around and see what the Lord has done he has done great things we shouldn't be here but we're here I'm the son of a nightclub owner I shouldn't be here what am I doing pastoring a church that doesn't make any sense 
but somebody with a lowly heart that had fruit came into my life, prayed for me, and God planted me in the kingdom. And the love of God is what pursued, what, 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 what I had in me to pursue him, to grow me. And I got roots, and I got planted, and I grew, and I got established, and I got a prayer life. Does anybody believe in prayer anymore? I'm just asking. I mean, we have to know and understand that the channel to God is a communion. It is a relationship. We don't, coming to church does not make you a Christian as much as standing in your garage does it make you a car? Sitting on a bookshelf, does it make you a book? You understand, I've said it a thousand times. It's what you are and what you do and who lives inside of you and who you surrender to. But the real work is found at home. You see, people bring the fire to church. If there's a fire here, the fire starts at home. Any gift you function in should first function in your home. Your kids don't grow in God because of one visit to church a week. Your children will not grow in church based on two visits to church a week. Your children will not grow based on a frequent prayer before supper. Children, families will grow. Marriages will grow. Relationships will grow based on the daily commitment of walking and being grounded in Christ Jesus and speaking to him and praying in him and reading the word of God and keeping it in you and you don't have to read the entire Bible in a month. I'm just telling you just even if all you have is just a verse a day memorize it. Think about it throughout the day. Keep it in front of you and if you don't have hours to pray I'm not saying pray for hours but I'm saying pray long enough where you can maintain prayer to pray as long as you can throughout the day. It's quality time more than quantity of time. It's being consistent with God. And all I'm saying is you got to start someplace. There are no excuses because we all have 24 hours in a day. We all have seven days a week and we all have the same God. But was difference? But the difference between some and others is that some believe it and some go after it. Some believe it and go after it. They walk it out. And you can tell who's got fruit and who doesn't. And I'm not going to put tags on nobody, but I'm simply telling you there is evidence of Jesus in your life. There is evidence. The Scripture says that when they found the apostles, that they perceived that they had been with the Lord. And what was it? It was the fruit Here's what I want to give you. This is the only point I'm going to give you today. Here's what I'm going to give you. God has called us to maturity. God is preparing you and your family to see his hand move in your life. When's the last time, and I want to challenge you with this, when's the last time you came together in prayer as a family and you had a goal to see God answer a particular prayer. And you said, let's pray for this and watch God answer. And you saw God answer that prayer. And the faith of your family was lifted to another level. So you do that in church. you're meant to do it at home but when you do it at home then when we come to church i'm going to give you the sign of spiritual maturity and growth in a church body are you ready a mature christian and i'm not judging nobody i'm just simply telling you you want would you like me to give you the definition of a mature christian when it comes to church how many of you raise your hand if you want me to say it because i'm going to give it to you, are you ready a mature christian understands that the fire starts at home 
and they're made, they're made to make, they are designed to make a contribution to the fire at church. A mature Christian will, will understand that their personal relationship with God begins at home. And when they come to the house of God, they're here to make a contribution to see lives changed. The concept is in the scripture. Lives are born, again, through the body of Christ. So when we come to church, it's come to our assignment and ministry. When you start thinking this way, you begin to grow and you get more out of church. When you come to church and it's the only time you pray, you never grow. But when you pray outside of church and you continue and when you get in the house of God, you tap into another whole level of the spirit. And you begin to feel something stirring up inside of you called gifts that God put inside of you. And you start to produce fruit. And God begins to use you. And you feel like, my God, I got to serve. I got to do something. I got to release this. I have to do something. I feel a word for somebody. God highlights somebody. And you go up to them and tell them, I just feel like the Lord wanted me to tell you, blah, 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 blah. And there's nothing weird, by the way. It's simply edifying. Because anything God says out of your mouth should be made to build up, not tear down. But your giftings are beginning to mature. You're beginning to grow fruit because you were designed to make a contribution to the body, not always take from. That spiritual maturity. We're coming to a place in this church where we're going to begin in this next semester to open the front. And we need to see people healed, delivered, set free, blessed, miracles I don't care. I just need five, at least one other person to agree with this. I know this front row agrees with me. That's all we need. I'm going to tell you, for revival in this church and to see things, those things happen, all I really need is this front row right here. I'm just telling you straight up because we're going to be seeking God. We're going to be going after it. We're going to be pursuing it. I just want you to be involved in it because God wants to use you too. Because how many of you have mamas and daddies and aunts and uncles and cousins and brothers and sisters and children and those that need to come in and experience what it really means to be delivered and saved and set free and get something that they've never had before? How many of you know that there needs to be a place, that there needs to be a moment, that there needs to be a, a place where it's not weird? I grew up in weird church, guys. I grew up in weird church. I know what it is for somebody just to start speaking in tongues, running around the church, jumping up the walls, doing all these crazy things, and nobody's blessed but them. But spiritual mature people do that stuff at home. Come into this place and join corporately the body and pray that God would save somebody, God would heal somebody, and they would pray and extend their faith to shift the atmosphere. Because that somebody may be your family or your children. God is calling us to spiritual maturity. He's calling us to a different place. But God wants to see your family blessed and in order. And you and your marriage and your relationships and your children. And he wants to see every single one of us filled with the Holy Ghost. Filled with the power of God. Filled with the Spirit of God. Walking in love. Depression away from your family. And poverty away from your family. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about spiritual, spiritual prosperity. Because there are some people that got the money but have no love. Have no peace, have no joy, have no peace of mind. But God, when you're rich in Christ, you're mature in Christ. There's a peace that passes all understanding. There's a love that passes all understanding. There is an authority in your life where you fear nothing but God. And we don't need to lose our children to the pressure and the theology of the world. I don't know where you're at right now as a family, but this is a call to arms, and this is a call to the next level of being consistent. And I'm telling you right now, 
this church, it's fixing to shift. We're fixing to shift. Get ready. I'm just telling you. Second church. Well, first service was ready. Y'all ready? I'm just telling you. First service. Yeah. First service was ready. <laughs> this season we're entering into, I'm giving you direction right now and telling you that there are going to be people healed in our services. It's not going to happen with dry church. It's not going to happen when people don't pray at home and come here. I mean, my God, you, you, you know, I was taught, right, if you're going to go someplace, like to a party, like, and you know there's going to be food there, I mean, have a little something to eat at home, then go to the party and not pull up a chair to the table, make I know. <laughs> I know my people, that's all I'm saying. We're going to the party. Is there food? Yeah, yeah, I'm going. Right? In other words, there are people that need spiritual development and needs more than we do. We need to consider them. Because we come week after week after week after so many years, we ought to be at another level. If we're not at that, that level now where we're coming into church and praying for other people and beginning to see God move in other people's lives because we made a contribution, because we plugged into a, to a, to the vein of what the Spirit of God is trying to do, and the, there's not an open heaven over our assembly, we missed it. God didn't, he never intended the church to be a performance center or an entertainment center. He intended the church to be his children, a royal priesthood, an army being raised up to turn the world around. God is looking for a harvest. People with fruit, with meekness, with lowliness that understand that it's because of his blessings in our life and the blood of Jesus that we are who we are and we can do what we can do. And with that kind of attitude, God can use us. Not religiously, but with humility. Come on, Haley. I have so much in my spirit right now. If you notice, this is a very different message today. This is something, this is an assignment. I'm giving you a heads up right now as Riverside Church to tell you things are fixing to change. We are geared to walking into our full calling. Most of the time, as churches grow and get bigger, they become more seeker-friendly because they're afraid to scare people off. But what the Lord told us to do is the opposite. The more we grow, the more on fire we should become and not lose that anointing and make room for his presence to work. There are even people here right now that need healings in their body or that need peace of mind, the answer's in you. I can't tell you how many times people have just been so devoted in the moment and caught up in the moment and focused where all they had to do was completely surrender and worship and God would heal them and touch them. And nobody lays hands on anybody, but God gets the credit for everything. Now I'm going to ask you this question. Is that the type of church you want to be a part of? Because I can't get the credit for it. I'm not going to get the credit for it. You're not going to get the credit for it. Are you willing to be humble and not get the credit for it? And just participate and be obedient to what God is doing and see lives changed. Do you want to be a part of something that's bigger than you? God is calling us. He's called us to maturity. There has to be a defining difference between the world and the church. That's what I'm telling you. Are we going to be in this world to produce, and, and looked at the world as, a, as wheat? 
are we going to just look like everyone else in action in our words and deeds and be just like them? How does God view us? There has to be a difference between us and the world. We're not different in fashion. We're not different in vocabulary and words. Where are we different? We have to be different in consecration and devotion. And we have to be different in our works and the fruit we produce. It has to be a place where lives are changed and people grow. If you're hungry for that, stand to your feet. I know this is different today. For all of you that are watching online, if you stuck around this long, I just want to tell you that Riverside Church is not the average church. We're not a cookie-cutter church. We've got systems. We have administration. We are organized here. We do everything right. When it comes to our finances, I also would tell you this. I'm just going to tell somebody this. When it comes to our finances, every pastor that's here that has a salary, a meager salary, by the way, we don't tithe back into the tithe. We tithe into benevolence funding and, and help people. We give. We tithe, too. We do everything right that God would honor. We do everything correctly so we can be pleasing to God and we are good stewards of what God has called us to do and God is growing this church and God is doing something special but he didn't bring us this far to continue with programs he did not call this church to have entertainment monthly entertainment for men, women, all these that's not what the church is called to do we'll have ministries we'll have events God leads us and we go into those, but what God's called us to do is to help disciple families, to grow them so they can experience Jesus and see lives changed. Somebody pray this prayer with me right now. Will you repeat this after me? Say, Lord Jesus, your kingdom come, your will be done in my family. Say, in my children, in my marriage, in my family and every relative. Let your kingdom manifest itself. Give me a discipline. Give me a discipline in my life to learn how to walk with you daily. Depression, anger, resentment, all has to dissipate. It all has to go. I will walk with you, I will talk with you, with your help. Keep me from temptation and give me every day your bread to eat. Help me grow in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.